This is Dollars and Sensibility with Tom Stone. And we're gonna talk about what you really want. And at the end of the day, how to get what you really want is to understand money. Guild Mortgage, NMLS number 3274, Tom Stone, NMLS number 257849. The information contained in these podcasts are for educational purposes only and do not necessarily express the opinions of Guild Mortgage. Welcome to another episode of Dollars and Sensibility. And boy, do I have a treat today. I have Jonathan Burton with Innovative Harbor. I'm sure you've heard of him. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Joining me today, and I actually had to uh, get in line for him. I've been waiting weeks, been waiting weeks for him to be available. So this it's has been a, a lot of money, right? oh yeah, yeah. In fact, you said in the earlier community it doubled, the, the yeah, pay doubled. For sure. For sure. Yeah. So I am very, very excited. And, and in all honesty, Jonathan's probably a poster child of what I believe somebody who went and did it and had questions and concerns and went forward and said, hey, I can do this. Yeah. Is that okay yeah. to describe that? Yeah, I think so. I think that's fair. Let's let's just start with the who you are. So, Jonathan, born and raised in Wasatch County. Yep, grew up in Charleston. And you stayed. Moved away for ten or eleven years, and then brought my wife back. And where'd you go? Ever since just college, mission, mm -hmm. college, work a little bit, mm -hmm. and then settled back here. Were you one that said, "I want to live there no matter what," or you were like, eh, "I might need to get out of here"? No, I I intended to get out honestly. Mm -hmm. um, and we, we bought a house here and then I settled into a job and, and, uh, and then here I am still. So you said you settled into a job. What's the difference between settling into a job and creating a business? Cause you've done both. Yeah, I settled into a job. And when I say settled into a job, it was a job that, um, I had a partner and, and he had several businesses mm. started going. So when I say settled into a job, it was still an entrepreneurial yep. world. I was like, I don't, I don't, I was just like, I don't remember you settling into a job. But it wasn't, uh, I wasn't the owner. I was mm. a small owner. And, and uh, so I did that for a little bit. And then, and then I've always wanted to do my own thing mm -hmm. ever since I was young. Now, and here's the magic potion that I have an envious problem when it comes to you. You went out and said, I want to save the world, basically. You said, I want to help people. And you made a business out of it. How? I did, but one of my mottos has always been no margin, no mission. Okay. So Explain you, that. You can have the best mission in the world, but if you don't have the margin to support it, yeah. it's not going to be sustainable. Correct. And so you can go out and change the world, but you've got to have a way to. Well, this is where I'm saying is that every one of us, well, many, many, many of us say, I like helping people. It feels good. Man, I wish I could do a job. That's why you become a teacher. That's why you do these yeah. things. And you went and you started, it was sense of learn the first one that you did on your own. Oh, it's funny. My wife and I were in the car the other day. This wasn't even that long ago. And she started listing some of the things I tried. <laughs> and it got, it got almost comical. Um, I tried a lot and I did a lot and some things were mildly successful. Some were terribly mm. unsuccessful. Mm -hmm. And uh, so were they all rooted in trying to help somebody? Not necessarily. No, I, I, I was even, I became the CEO of a genealogy company at one point after several of them failed. And I didn't last very long in that role. Why? It was just too structured, too structured. I, it, it wasn't my thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, but, but lately, yeah, the last oh, 10 or 15 years has always been, helping people 
Walk us through the step where obviously there's some of us who have thought about creating your own businesses and you said you went through multiple, but then you found one that actually got some traction and you lost traction because of economy and other things, yeah, right? Yeah, COVID know? didn't help, but, um, but we were big enough then that we were able to withstand that. But yeah, I mean, it was just looking for opportunities, you know, there, there was one that, uh, where it all started was uh, with a good friend of mine here in Heber. He worked for vocational rehabilitation and he mm -hmm. said, I need some job coaches. And that's a state of Utah yeah. funded yep. situation that helps people get jobs. Rehabilitation, yep. Helps people with disabilities. With the disabilities. Get employed. Get employed. And stay employed. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, we have companies come up from Utah County or Salt Lake that do this, but nobody's here. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, what does that entail? And he told me and my wife and I went and became certified employment specialists and and started doing that and, and just fell in love with it. Mm. I was able to help everybody from um, felons to mental health to, you know, all the Down syndrome, cerebral mm -hmm. palsy and everything in between. I was able to help those individuals get employed. And uh, and there weren't anybody in the rural areas throughout Utah doing this. So mm. I hired a lot of people in almost every rural area throughout the state and trained them and, and did a revenue share with them. And, and that's kind of what started this. A know. revenue share with them. Discuss yeah. that with us. So I just said, look, the, the state pays me this much, mm -hmm. uh, these milestones as you do this and this and this. And I said, I'll just, you know, basically split it in half with you. Um, and you know, your area, you know, you know employers, mm -hmm. you know, you have those connections in your rural area. So why don't you just go make it happen and we'll mm -hmm. split it. And it worked quite well for a while. And then, then I just got, uh, you know, as you, as you go down a path of a new business, you just, there's always going to be doors that open. Mm -hmm. You see doors that open. And the trick is which ones do you walk through? And which ones do you say no to? Mm -hmm. You can't walk through all of them. Yeah. Or else you'll get overwhelmed. You'll get spread too thin. And, and but for know, the record, a lot of people worry that a door won't open. So you're saying plenty open. Oh, I think plenty open if you have your eyes open. At least my experience. You okay. Have plenty open. You just have to be mindful of them and, and watch for them. And, you know, I went through some doors and, and backed out of them mm. after a while. And you've just got to, again, no margin, no mission. You've got to have the margin to support it make sure it's sustainable. So as I worked with these these uh, clients, then I realized that a lot of them were more significantly disabled and they had services through another government organization called DSPD, Division of Services for People with Disabilities. Hmm. And that's more long-term funding. And, and again, the clients kind of pushed me down that path of, hey, we love you helping us get employed, but why don't you help us with these other services? Mm -hmm. And so I looked into, well, what would it take to me, for me to be contracted with the government doing that? And uh, jumped into that arena, and and, uh, and that was a door you walked into. That's a, door I walked into a good one. It's been good. Yeah, yeah, I loved it. So, so you actually work for the government, but you're self-employed, mm -hmm. and you're an entrepreneur. Contract with the government. We do some private pay, but primarily it's government funded. Yeah. So, so when people, so the state of Utah has funding that they set aside in their budget for this particular um, socioeconomic group of folks. And they don't really go do it. They just find someone else to do it. Correct. Yeah, exactly. They have these support coordinators, which are really case managers mm -hmm. that are assigned to clients or the clients choose them. 
And then the clients work with those support coordinators and choose what providers they want to work with. Mm. So this means everything from employment to the one-on-one -on -one mentoring out in the community to, um, you know, what's called a day program from nine to three. Um, most days, Monday through Friday, the clients can go out and do things in small groups. And we like to tour businesses. We like to volunteer places. We like to do recreational stuff and social activities and entertainment. And do you set those calendars? Yeah, we set those activities and calendars with our clients. <clears throat> so, and then it also goes into residential options. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, some of these individuals, their parents for one reason or another, aren't in a position to take care of them, or they just want more independence. Mm -hmm. And so they need residential options, or maybe the parents have passed away and they don't have family that are in a position to take. Sometimes care of they're them. just left alone. Exactly. So the government has those funds set aside to take care of these individuals. So we've gone into residential as well with your help. Let's talk about that for a second. I thought you might want to. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, should I lead up to that or should we just go there? So let's, how long ago was it when you said, hey, I've got an idea? Oh, gosh. Well, again, it was one of our clients. I, I found that um, I just kind of naturally let it happen with, mm -hmm. our, with our clients. I just fall in love with these clients and I love servicing them. And, and one particular client here in Heber, they approached me and the parents said, look, we don't like the residential options out there we love working with you and your company. Would you consider this? And so you and I sat down mm -hmm. and do I really want to jump into buying houses and doing residential? That was a big jump, which is me. group homes, right? A group homes. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. We do it a little different than, than most. Uh, when people hear the term group homes, they, they sometimes get, they get worried, huh? They get worried. Yeah. Sometimes they consider maybe someone who has uh, a substance abuse problem. So it's kind of variables. Yeah. Or, or serious behaviors, serious behaviors, or old sure. homes that are not well taken care of. Mm. They, they smell and they're mm -hmm. just not a place you would want your child to live. I see. I see. And so when I decided to go down that path, I said, look, if, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it the way I would want it mm -hmm. done if mm -hmm. I had a child in this situation. So we bought newer homes and again, 2016, was, wasn't it? Oh, it was a few years ago. 2010 ish. No, I'd say it was, three or four years ago. So, yeah. Yeah. The homes were newer though. Oh yeah. They were only a couple years old. Yeah. The yeah. Homes we bought. Yeah. And so they're more expensive, but, um, but they're really nice. Yeah. Our clients deserve to live in a situation like that. I thought. Okay. So let's rewind just a little bit. We'll come back to this cause you know, a little more expensive. Okay. Are you conservative at heart? I am. Well, that's a good question. I would love my wife to answer that. Oh, well, I was going to say, I would love to ask her that question. I honestly, you know, what would she think? Cause she's very conservative, taker, which is why, you know, I've started so many businesses mm -hmm. and thank goodness I married the patient, wonderful woman. I did mm -hmm. that was patient and let me do this because mm -hmm. most would, would not have been so patient. I would think like I'm tired of this. Go get a real job and quit but, playing. You know, I had conservative parents that didn't spend mm -hmm. a lot of money. And so I would say yes, financially conservative. Mm -hmm. I would not say on the entrepreneurial side, I'm conservative mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I, I wanted to do my own thing. But yeah, financially, I would say definitely I'm fairly conservative, um, but I am a risk taker. Mm -hmm. And so when I saw this opportunity, I, I thought it made sense. But there were a few conversations we had about, if we're going back to the residential, it was a, Okay, this is a big one. It's a big jump, you know. Yeah, I've been taught debt free, get out of debt, mm -hmm. get out of debt my mm -hmm. whole life, and and so for me to 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 make some changes to get more in debt mm -hmm. to generate cash flow was 
was was a jump. For so sure. teach us, what was your process of saying, you know, get out of debt, get out of debt, but yeah, I'm going to go buy a house and go into six figures worth of debt. What, well, how, how do you feel about that? Yeah, my wife and I had that conversation. She, she always says, oh yeah, I just got to keep reminding myself the difference between good debt and bad debt. Mm-hmm. And we've had a lot of conversations about that. And, and you know, good debt is income generating debt. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you crunch the numbers, you realize you're, you're making a lot more money mm-hmm. month to month investing in those properties and, and where I had a business that just tied in so well, mm-hmm. it made a lot of sense. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's almost mm-hmm. like I had renters lined up yep. that I could just, you had a twofer going yeah, on here. Yeah, it really is. It really is a two for one. So, so it made a lot of sense. So it's the good debt versus the bad debt that is, is constantly a conversation that we've had. Now you have two houses, well, three with your own, but yeah, we just have right? two so far, but you've been looking for a third one, right? Yeah. Yeah. We've entertained a couple of them. Didn't go forward because of cost and other variables, yep. right? Yep. Yeah. If my mortgage guy could get a lower interest rate, that would help. Yeah. I'll call Jerome Powell right now. <laughs> let him know what we need to have. No, but we are. We're looking. <laughs> and, and again, I just, I am conservative in the sense that, um, you know, I wait until I have clients lined up sure. that are ready to roll. And, and when we're getting close in Utah County to do that. So, so yeah, I am getting close where I want to pull the trigger on another one. And you've There's, told you've told me uh, this is a St. George property that we've talked about okay. that I think there's uh, I don't know caretakers or people that are the employees that take care of your clients that live in maybe the basement or something. Yeah, or that's that's the situation here in Heber. Mm. Um, in St. George, it's it's more the uh, full time. Nobody, none of my employees live there. It's okay, just for clients. Okay, but we okay. have staff twenty four seven there. But here in Heber, yeah, my caretake. Well, my manager and her husband, they live in the basement mm-hmm. and they're my overnight staff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So how are you feeling about this investment three years later? Oh, it's been great. Um, yeah, we've been able to really take care of these clients and and financially it's it's given us a lot of freedom. I, I mean, I'm an entrepreneur. I don't mm-hmm. have a 401k, Tom. I don't have, <laughs> I don't have a, a lot of money saved up. Mm-hmm. I, I put it all into my business. And so it it really gives me peace of mind realizing that that's going to be my long-term plan is to have mm-hmm. these properties that, that will help because I don't have a retirement plan set up. So let's, let's back to this conserve a comment because okay. we've talked a few times about you getting yourself a new house. Yeah. But you're still in the same house you bought 20, 22 years ago. 22 years. That was your first, first home, right? Yeah. You're yeah, still there. We're still there. A little house in Charleston. Had lots of conversations about. Had a lot of conversations. And um, yeah, we've, again, had a lot of discussion. And there's a lot of things in my life that, that want to keep me in the area I'm in. Mm. Um, and so that's one aspect. And the other aspect is we only have one child at home right now. So we don't really need. So you've gone through the need a bigger house and now you're on the downside. Yeah. And, you know, who knows down the road where we'll end up with that. But, um, but yeah, again very patient wife that's okay with that so in essence that that enabled us to make more good debt decisions good investments and not just the bad debt did you want to be rich let's go back let's go to high school oh that's a great usually people who are entrepreneurs have some sort of a i really want to you know have the good life i don't want to be rich um i want to have enough Mm -hmm. and i want the flexibility i think for me more than riches, it was the flexibility. Uh, 
it was allow me to take the time off I wanted mm -hmm. to take off and to go to whatever kids events mm -hmm. I wanted to go to and to when I wanted to take the afternoon off I could mm -hmm. or the week off I could and so me, for me I was driven more by the flexibility rather than the money yeah for sure which let's throw in what did you do with your time most recently your flexible time you seen you went down to the Everglades yeah I have a good friend who uh <laughs> Yeah, we've done some adventures together. Your good friend, you define him. <laughs> I know this friend, by the way. You do, Bruce. Yeah. Yeah, he's. he's Is he? Would you call him crazy? What do we call him? He's pretty crazy. Pretty yeah. crazy. Yeah, he's. Um, he, he wanted to go on these adventures, and he told me some, and I said, oh, I don't know, Bruce. I, I like to fish, but I, I need it to be an adventure. So he called me one day, and he's like, "Okay, John, here you go." He's like, "Let's paddleboard through the Everglades, from one side of the other." <laughs> How many miles? Oh, it was over a hundred. Yeah. And, and, and I said, Bruce, that is crazy. That's an adventure. It. Yeah. Let's do it. And so, yeah, we put together this crazy trip and, and put our paddle boards and we had little motors on the back with our batteries and our solar panels mm -hmm. would recharge our batteries and all of our gear and in on inflatable paddle boards, we went inflatable. inflatable. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Everything we took on the planes with us. Yeah. And we, uh, what, a lot of sharks and alligators and snakes and like right underneath fish. your board. Oh yeah. They'd swim right past this. And yeah, it was quite the adventure that we survived. And it, was, it was a blast. And you were telling me you fell in, you tipped over actually. Yeah. I don't know what happened because I thought I was more coordinated than that. Well, Apparently I'm getting old. Well, <laughs> but yeah, all of a sudden in this little alligator alley, I'm upside down and you I, and the alligators. Yeah. And I couldn't flip it back over and I had to yell it. Uh, Bruce and Steve, my two friends that went with us, and they had to eventually get to me. And one, two, three, we had to hoist mm -hmm. it right side up. And um, but yeah, it was it was an adventure. And you sure. told me then your battery was kaputs. It was, yeah. So it was a hundred miles of actual paddling. A lot of paddling. Um, they drugged me part mm -hmm. of the times, mm -hmm. but and the trolling motors just you know would maybe help us a little bit. But mm. It was primarily. Yeah, we paddleboarded across that hole. And you got tides, you said, that were coming in and out. I played with the tides and caught a lot of fish and just it was it was a fun, fun adventure. And that's what the, the flexibility mm -hmm. to be able to do stuff like that is is way fun. Yeah, it's also crazy though. Well, that's Bruce. Mm. Yeah. I I, I said, But you knew it. I knew it. You I, knew it going in. But two days after he said, Hey, look, what if we do it the opposite way? And I said, <laughs> Bruce, come on. Too soon. Give me a minute to think and breathe. But no, it was great. Where do you where do you see yourself going in the next five, 10, 15, 20 years? You know, so so you built this business. I'm assuming it's reliant upon you quite a bit. It is, yeah, right now for sure. So how where do you want to go and how are you gonna get there? Oh, I'd eventually like to to have somebody else oversee the day-to-day -day, um so that I can move more into maybe a chairman role or and, but I, I think I'll still be involved quite a bit because mm -hmm. I love what we do. Mm -hmm. I love seeing these clients and and uh, seeing their lives change. You know, we always joke that that we enrich their lives, but but quite mm. honestly, they enrich ours. Mm. So you get to know them personally. Oh yeah, yeah. I get to spend a lot of time with them, and they're just so positive and upbeat. And where there's so so much negativity in the world, that they're just so positive. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the fact that a little job that they work a couple of days a week 
just brings so much joy to them and, mm-hmm. and they bring so much joy to all their coworkers, wherever they work. And, and, uh, so I, I just love being around our clients. So, so I, I don't think I'll still be involved, but, but probably not as much in the day to day. Um, but if you're already, and excuse me, I don't think this is true. I'm going to say it anyway, but if you're already micromanaging, how do you get to a macro level? I don't think you're a micromanager. Maybe you are. Are you a micromanager? No, I'm not. No, I hire I hire my managers and I train them, I support them, but I let them do their thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we service Heber City, St. George, Price, and Utah County right now. And so, no, I am not a micromanager at all. But I'm but I'm supportive, mm-hmm. and I'm quite involved when I when I would like to be. And there's just there's just the the way we do it is different than a lot of the companies out there. We're primarily community based mm-hmm. and we focus on employment where a lot don't mm. it's easier just why why do you focus on the employment because it's enriches their lives it's what they need you know the self-confidence and self-worth they get when they go to a job and have that other social circle outside there and they get a paycheck and they get a paycheck yeah and the self-confidence and self-worth they receive is just really rewarding so so we we focus on employment because it's the right thing for our, our clients. Mm-hmm. They need it. Like all of us do. We need to stay busy. So you're going to stay busy. So how come you don't start this process now? Why don't you get someone in now and do it sooner than later? Oh, so you're, let's question. see, you're 47. I am. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think in the next few years, that's the next step is to pull somebody in. Um, is, do you need to make more income? To make room for someone else what what is it that's yeah, that's part of it and stabilize a few things in the business mm-hmm. i'd like to get um like i say a, another house or two um possibly to get that going which would would generate the more income and uh and just yeah just stabilize some things you know growing a business is it gets to a certain size and you really have to you know the whole good to great principle mm-hmm. you really have to lay that foundation for more growth mm-hmm and put in the policies and procedures and the stability um you know we're in the process of overhauling our software and which will help stabilize that and so there's a lot in of that that is your software proprietary or or no it's not no we did not build our own so you have some software that you've used but you've made it yours well we've made our own but now we're going to move to a third party Mm. i've been working with for a while okay we're just um, starting off. So I think that'll help a lot. So there's a lot of things like that. that so systems, yeah, systems, processes, reminders, here's what you do on this day, those kind of things. Yeah. yeah. Critical pieces for sure. They are critical pieces and, and income's part of it too. I just want to make sure again, I've, I've been cautious in the sense that I don't bring too much on board until we can know we can afford it. So I want to make sure we have enough. I can't help but plug a little here. And that is, so we, I did a podcast with Danny Labram, Labram Chevrolet Ford here in town. And after all of, you know, his story, which is amazing that he brought that, <clears throat> I told him, <clears throat> why in the world did you buy that dealership? Because it was one that didn't have a good reputation when he bought it. It was, it was going out of business basically. And he's like, I didn't know it was in that position. I was just wanting to get one. That's what he said. But after, you know, going from that to growing it to being very successful where he's at right now, he said that his income generator is that the two dealerships pay him rent. Mm-hmm. He says, my income is the real estate. He says, that's the stable part of my business that when I retire, I'll be getting rent checks from Ford and from Chevy for the land and the building that sit on there. Yeah. So I can't help but think that one of the stability factors for you is I have these homes that I've established. 
and they pay rent. And they pay rent to you. Yeah. My business pays rent to me mm-hmm. in another business. Mm-hmm. Instance, right. Yep. So yeah, definitely a stable part of it. And, and it's a win-win because the, the business makes money from having the homes mm-hmm. and then I make money from the business paying me. Yep. So it works out really well. So you create, you, you create rather than paying your money to a third, a third vendor, you become that vendor. Yeah, exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's not really an additional charge. It's just that I'm going to put myself there, even with the superior product and I can make income, <clears throat> more income, have more control to make sure it's done appropriately. Yeah. And then that's my stability. One of them anyway. Exactly. Yeah. And long term, you know, hopefully that will continue to go mm-hmm. until the house is paid off and, and afterwards. Correct. So. Correct. Of course, you know, I won't really, I'll recommend once you get to some pretty good equity before that, then you borrow against it again and oh, I know you will. buy another house. I know you will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are your kids interested in this business at all? Is this something they've seen? Oh, I love what dad does. No, but not necessarily. No. Um, I mean, they'll How ask come? questions and they'll, they're, they're intrigued a little bit by it. I'm the same position. My kids are like, I don't want to do anything. Dad yeah, does. I think uh, they like the real estate part, but the mortgage part, they're like, Oh, that looks like too I much, that, too much work. Pave their own path. Pave their own path. And, and, yeah. And maybe and that that'll too. change in the future, but I think they want to, you know, my dad was a doctor and I mm-hmm. went down that path for a little bit. And then I saw the negative things of that and, and uh, how difficult it was. And so I wanted to pave my own path. So I think a lot of, they're still trying to figure out what they want to do. And, um, want to figure that out themselves. What would they say about their dad when it comes to jobs and businesses? And what would they say? How do they, how do they see you? Oh man, that's a good question. The the joke in my family and my wife probably started it, but she said, you you need to learn to be bored because Mm. I, I don't know how to be bored. Mm Mm-hmm. I just stay busy. Mm-hmm. I just go, go, go. And, and she, she always jokes about that. Like, Hey, my relaxing time yeah, is to paddle relax. for a hundred miles. Yeah, exactly. My vacation is to paddle through the Everglades and hers is to relax. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so by the way, the Everglades, you said you also decided to finally get in and have a bath in the water. And when you came out, you saw an alligator swimming yeah, at your right feet. by where I was swimming yeah. like a minute after. Yeah. And, and, and you said, well, I guess I found out they don't like to eat people. <laughs> I, I hope not, but I wasn't going to test it again. <laughs> Sorry. Back, back to the question. Oh, yeah. No worries. Um, your kids, so my kids. Yeah. I, I think they view me as very driven and, and busy, probably too busy. Um, but uh, yeah. Do you want them to, see that and be like it? Or would you say I'd rather have them be different? You know what? I haven't pushed them one way or the other. You know, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with just because I have been an entrepreneur and that was right for me. And I valued flexibility. That doesn't mean it's right for them. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with, you know, the, the doctor or the postman mm-hmm. or whatever that does his job eight to five. In fact, there's a lot of benefits to that. You mm-hmm. get to come home and you don't, you're not constantly thinking of your business. <laughs> it's true. I mean, I, I it's don't ever turn off. It's and, true. And that can be a negative thing a lot. Yeah. Um, and there's always things going on. And so my mind is always racing with that stuff. So, so no, I don't, I don't want to push them one way or the other. I want them to figure that out on their own. So let me take that same question. And your dad was a doctor, mm-hmm. local doctor. Mm-hmm. I went to him. He, yeah. he removed a mole, I think, or some other things like that. You know, we won't get into too much detail. Oh, well, crash my mountain bike. And he's the one that he put a little drain in my elbow. So the, all the oh, nice. junk can come out yeah. and dirt and stuff like that. Good. Yeah. So he was there right when I needed him. Good. 
And you said you wanted to be like that, at least at a certain point. Yeah, I did. I thought I was going to go into medicine. Because your dad. Because my dad, yeah. And then you said, never mind. I went into some surgeries and about passed out. And ah. I thought, yeah. And, and, you know, again, he was one of three doctors in this valley growing up. So he was on call every third night. Oh, boy. So every third He night, truly was a country doctor. Yeah, every third night. And then delivering babies, he delivered mm. a lot of this valley. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so anyways, I saw the negative sides to that, too. Mm-hmm. Enough to say, was it the flexibility of time? Yeah, it was the flexibility. And I just, I just was fascinated with business. Ah. I just wanted the business. I just was fascinated by that and wanted to, to learn how to run a business. And they actually bought a lot of real estate. They have. Yeah. Yeah. In the past they've, they've had real estate apartments, condos, stuff mm-hmm. like that. And what was your, what was your viewpoint of that when you saw that? Is that something I wanted to do or just never thought about it or? You know what? My parents didn't, um, we didn't know much about the finances. They, they kept it close. They kept it pretty Why? close. I don't know. It's a good question. Seems like my parents did the same thing too. Well, I got, can I tell my story real quick? Yeah, please. So I was raised, you know, poorest church mass. Uh-huh. Now I'm sure there's someone poorer than us, but it was like, you know, my mom would always put an orange on the chair at Christmas time because yeah. there was a story of a, of a relative, you know, before us that that's all they got, uh-huh. you know, and we just reminded, you know, and we'd go, we, we bought my shoes at uh, pick and save. And uh, the story was made that my sister's underwear was sewn by my mom you know, we knew what powdered milk was growing up and all this yeah. stuff. And my dad rode UTA to work. And I was just like, dang, you know, we are poor. And I grow up and we got better as we went on. My dad had to have a second job for a while, some other things. <clears throat> and then I go graduate from college, excuse me, high school, go to college. And I said, well, I'm going to try and get some financial aid. And I applied. And I said, hey, mom, there's a line here that says I have to put my dad, how much my dad makes. And it was six figures a long time ago. Yeah. And I was like, he what? Wait a minute. Yeah. He what? Yeah. She's like, and she kind of looks at me with this little, you know, uh, sly or, or or this little half smile. I'm like, is this a secret? Why have you done this to us? Yeah. Hasn't always been this way. Yeah, but up until yesterday, you still had the same mentality. What's the deal here? You know. Same thing. Same thing. <laughs> like, I had no idea we were wealthy. <laughs> My parents just didn't show it. Yeah. And I think it was the generation. I think so. I think our parents. Both you know, the baby boomers were raised by the depression yeah, folks. And, and they just didn't. I, and, and I'm grateful. They didn't want us to be negatively impacted by money and, mm-hmm. and, and the wealth. And, and so, yeah, they very much kept it a secret from us. We had no idea. Mm-hmm. Kids, we were wealthy. <laughs> but your dad was a doctor. And he was a doctor. And I should have known better, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So and they've stayed in the same house for they're still there. 40 years or something. Yeah, they're still there. Right. Mm-hmm. So you followed to it in that way. You're like, eh, I don't need a big fancy house. Yeah. But you could have though. We could have. Mm-hmm. You could have had the bigger, fancier house. And I mean, I mean, you're like, Hey, I got a new car and you got a Taurus. No, it wasn't a Taurus. What was it? It was a fusion. A fusion. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's worse or better. It's well, mm, okay. Yeah. We'll go with the fusion. Feel yeah, you any better. You know, again, back to the good debt, bad debt. You know, if we would have yeah. had a big house, it would have limited our ability to, mm-hmm. to grow the business like we did. And I've bootstrapped the whole business. You yeah. Know? I mean, I haven't gotten investment investors. I've, Should you have? I own 100% of it. I don't know. I mean, maybe if I wanted to go really big, but I don't know if I want to go really mm-hmm. big. Tom, I, I just want to do what I'm doing and um, I enjoy it. And, and I do enjoy being 100% owner. Because then I can control what mm-hmm. I want to control and, and I don't have to, 
answer to others. Um, and, and again, maybe if I had investors and I would be able to grow larger, but I would give up some of that control that I value. So I got a couple more questions. <clears throat> the first one is, I remember you telling me a story about, and you're gonna have to fill in these blanks for me. Like, how did you get these contracts? And you, you, you walk into a room full of state employee executives and you pitch them basically. Yeah, how, how do you get these contracts? There were several things. Um, to get the contracts, you know, you just have to contract. You have to contact the, the government and they'll have the application process. How do you contact them? Make a phone call, online application? Yeah, phone call, um, online, all the So you find the decision maker. And then you just fill out the application. But, but I think what you're referring to, Tom, is there were several pilot programs or different ideas that I had mm -hmm. that I presented to the state. Saying, hey, have, here's say, a good way we could do it. Yeah. For example, there's an emotional and social, emotional intelligence course that I taught called Why Try. I remember I actually came a couple times to that. Love yeah, that. And I've taught that. Either the high school. Yeah. And I've taught that in the correctional space to mm -hmm. uh, juvenile detention facilities and, and prisons and jails. And that was one of the many businesses. That we yep. 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 And so but, that's the crabs in the, in the bucket. Yeah, in when the one bucket, crab gets out, yeah, the other one pull them back visual, down. Very, very mm -hmm. awesome course. Yep. That's, that was originated here in Utah by good friends of mine. But anyways, they, uh, you know, I went to the state and I said, look, you know, our clients are plenty smart. It's this emotional intelligence mm -hmm. that they need. You know, how do we control our own emotions? How to read, read emotions in others? How do we, how do we uh, emotionally handle ourselves to be successful? Mm -hmm. That's where they struggled. And I'm thinking more of the at-risk youth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or the, the inmates. Um, and uh, so I went to the state and I said, look, why, why don't we pilot this? Why don't you pay me to go teach a variety of, of youth and adults these curriculum? And, and boy, for, for years, we, we hit that really hard. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was very successful and gosh, had a lot of fun teaching these courses. Again, you let me tag along a couple times. It was a hoot. Yeah. Cause, so cause these, fun. it was, it was youth when I went to and they were interested yeah, and they would participate. It was, was video and visuals and activities mm -hmm. and, and just a lot of props. And, mm -hmm. and it was very easy for them to understand these powerful principles. Mm -hmm. And so, in fact, to this day, we still teach that periodically to our clients. Um, we don't do it near to the level we used to. Why? Again, no margin, no mission. Mm. It's hard to get a stable uh, margin mm -hmm. doing that. You know, we did the pilot. It was very successful. And then the state reorganized some funds and moved it and they cut what they were paying us. And, and so we scaled that back and it was the no margin, no mission. Just didn't work out that mm -hmm. way. Now that's a principle of entrepreneurship that people get so passionate yes. about what they're doing. Got to learn to say no to things. Yeah. I remember Mark Cuban saying, if you've worked on a business a business for three years and you haven't made money yet, that's called a, and he says, ah, babe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you've been working on your business for three years and you haven't made money yet, that's called a hobby. Yeah. You got to <laughs> say no to things because there will be doors open right and left and there will be clients or parents or partners or government that, that, you know, suggest this and that and the other. And you've got to learn to say no, you've got to get good at saying no to things and realize what you're good at and what you want to focus on and what has the margin. Mm. to make you sustainable that I'm, I'm pausing for effect on that one. That's probably as, as magical and, and important as anyone to hear who's thinking about. And, and I would even say, you know, someone might even say, I'm not an entrepreneur at heart, but realize if you aren't, you're going to go work for one. Mm. Now, again, there's maybe the big, big, big business, Coca-Cola's or something like that, that, that are beyond that. I mean, healthcare is maybe it's different, but still, if you got to have the mentality of, if I'm going to work for a company, 
who's the owner and what's his or her mentality and what are they thinking, right? Mm-hmm. So you still got to have to understand these things, mm-hmm. doors opening, those kind of things. Yeah. <clears throat> Let's talk. I just want to finish with maybe the exit strategy when you said I might want to, you know, scale the business back. You say you own 100% of the business. Are you going to sell part of the business or are you going to look for a, a managerial position? Yeah, I, I, I don't think I'll sell. I mean, I could change my mind down the road, but I, I still love what I do. Hmm. I mean, if, if I didn't love what I did, I might sell, but I love what I do. Well, what I'm saying is, what if, if you own 100%? What if you sold uh, oh, 40% hmm. and, you know, this person comes in, they're going to be way different in the fact that that they are invested. In, yeah, I own this thing. The salary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. You know, in the next four years as, as I, as I transition out and bring somebody on board to run the business, um, it, that might be what it takes. You're going to go to a university and say, Hey, new person, I'm going to train you up. Are you going to go to someone who's in the business and say, Hey, partner, you know, let's join us together. I've thought about that. You know, do you, do you go industry in the industry or mm-hmm. do you go for somebody that has the right personality? And I would probably lean to the latter. Mm. I think I can teach them the industry. Mm. What I'm more worried about is the personality and that, um, you know, it takes a lot of work, mm-hmm. Tom, it takes a lot of work to run a business and I work hard mm-hmm. um, and I work long hours. And, um, and so you're going to need somebody that, that has that same fire. So to your point, you know, will it take giving up some of the equity to gain that? Right. I don't know the answer. Mm-hmm. It, it may. Um, but I also understand the value of 100% and it's nice to have. Right. Right. Hence the flexibility, not just the value, but the flexibility and decision making, decision making and control, I guess. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm a control freak. I don't know. But maybe you're just so kind. No one knows it, but you're just underneath. It's like, you know, I'm not that nice. don't tell me what to do. I'm not that okay last thing what's your advice to somebody who is considering um self-employment someone who's considering um getting into real estate oh i say go for it i just again the flexibility the passion of course you've got to look at your personality too though and, and and make sure it's the right fit for you Right. But if you have the right personality, you're driven that, that you really want to, to run something like that. I say, go for it mm-hmm. the sooner, the better. Uh, you know, I've, th- I've talked to so many people that have, have started their own business, you know, whether they're a, a surveyor or a construction guy, mm-hmm. or I'm trying to think all the above mm-hmm. you know? and everybody that's branched out on their own, Tom, mm-hmm. I, I can't think of anybody that I'm sure there are some. The, the I don't know anybody either. And I know a lot of people, you know, but, but they're all grateful. They did it. They worked hard. They knew the they risk. Hard. Yeah. They and went hard and fast. And, and oftentimes you hear, I wish I would have mm-hmm. done it sooner. Mm-hmm. And, and again, it's not for everybody. It, it's long hours, but, but I, I sure, uh, I sure have enjoyed it. Um, and so I would say go for it. And as far as the real estate goes, um, boy, it sure, it sure opened some doors for me. Mm-hmm. And it's been really good. And again, I let it happen in the natural way. Mm-hmm. The clients, when, when I was ready, I didn't jump in too early. You know, you, you've, you've told me before, gosh, you know, you could just buy real estate investments and just do rentals. Mm-hmm. And I haven't felt comfortable going down that path because I, I, I just see the, the natural 
tie in with my business and, and I feel much more comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah, it's really helped me out a lot. It's opened doors and, and, uh, were you the one that taught me if not take the credit? Oh, I will, whatever it is I was. You gave a, a sports analogy about let the game come to you. Was that you? Oh, we did something in why try. Um, I don't think it was that specific analogy, but I should take credit for it. Let's just give you credit because if not, it applies to what you're saying is that sometimes you can drive so hard and so fast and want it so much that it doesn't work. Yeah. And the sports analogy, probably a quarterback is the most, you know, or a point guard where if you try and make that pass a little too soon or a little too hard versus that timing and you have to let the game come to you. Absolutely. And that's what I mean by the business. Wait till the clients are lined up, let it come to you. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've done. Mm-hmm. And and we waited a long time before we pulled the trigger, but we were ready when we mm-hmm. pulled the trigger and, mm-hmm. and it's been, it's been good. So I think that's good counsel. I'll take credit for it. Yeah. I'm going to give you credit you for it. Yeah. If you did it. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure it wasn't me, but I've stolen everything. Everything I have, I've stolen. I've read it. I've heard but about it's it. It's a great principle. It's great you though. You can't force it. You got to let the game come. You have to be, you no, know, I always tell people you have to go to practice. You have to show up on time to the game. You have to be ready to go when it, your, your, your name is called. It's not like just, well, whatever happens, happens. I don't believe in that by the way, mm-hmm. but as you're in the game and you get practice and experience, then the game can come to you, yep. but it takes some years or at least some time anyway in it saying, okay, I think now is the time. And then I'm assuming after your first house in a month or so, you said, oh, I need to do a little bit differently or I, I need to adjust that or here's how I communicate that differently or I need to charge more or I need to. Oh, right? yeah, you've got to you've got to adjust as you go, right? Zigzag yep. through it. Yep. But yeah, I like that principle a lot. Let it come to you. And then. Yeah, but then you've got to jump through that door when it's there, right? I mean, you've got to let the game come well, to you, but then you've got to know when to, to, to go through that door. Well, and again, I think another principle that you did just teach us, so you can take total credit for this, is that doors open and you do have to go through them sometimes. You can't just sit on the outside and say, I think that's good or not. Sometimes you have to walk in the door and then you walk back out if it's not the right yeah, one. Exactly. But there's there's going to be so many reasons why you shouldn't go through that door. Mm-hmm. You're going to come up with so many reasons why you shouldn't. And that's one cool thing I've learned is you can walk through it and walk back out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you'll identify as you walk through it, oh man, this isn't turning out like a thought or this is really taking me away from what we really want to accomplish and where the margin's not quite there like I thought it was. And so you can always back out. See, that's something people don't realize just in the simplicity of, I tell people in mortgages, come see me. And what they say is, well, I'm not ready yet. And I'm like, that's when you should come see me. Yeah. yeah. Don't wait for, Hey, I saw a house this weekend. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Come now so we can talk about it. But they don't come because they're afraid that, well, I'm not ready yet. And then, you know, Tom's going to whatever, or, or the situation or whatever. And, and, and they think if they're not ready yet, then I can't move. And I'm not going to move until I'm completely ready. No, 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 no. You need to come, you need to explore, you need to look, walk through a couple doors and get a feel for it. Information is power, right? You got to get the information understanding first, and then you can make the decision. And, and just almost, I gotta, I'm belaboring this, but, but you're going to maybe let some people down though. If they, if they're excited about you and you have to walk out the door, they're going to be a little disappointed. For sure. For sure. And and that's why you have to have thick skin as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've got to have thick skin and you've got to, you've got to do that. Even though you're going to hurt feelings and disappoint 
providers and disappoint mm-hmm. even clients sometimes mm-hmm. that aren't a right fit. You know, you can help them land somewhere else, but if they're not a right fit for the company, you got to let them go. And that's hard. Mm-hmm. That's hard. But yeah, it's a good point. Pretty valuable, pretty valuable information. So Jonathan Burton, innovative, innovative, I say that right. Innovative Harbor. I know you have other businesses too, but they're kind of under that umbrella. Yeah. that's the name. And I guess you're not a business that really advertises per se. Is that true? No, we really don't. Don't go to our website, please. <laughs> but, uh, but no, we don't really advertise because we honestly were, we keep up with the natural growth mm-hmm. of the clients that come to us. And so we haven't had a need to advertise. I guess what I would say for advertising is I know his story. I know what he's done. I've seen him grow. And the fact is, is that he's done a phenomenal job in a, in a space and place for people that not only need it, want it, but they can grow and become. And uh, so pretty cool business. Again, my envy is a little high business. Like, Oh man, I, I want to save the world a little bit too. You know, that's just fun. And he does it for a living every day. Pretty cool stuff. It's fun. We enjoy it. And you've helped a lot, Tom. I mean, you've really, again, I was reluctant and, and you were the one that, like you were saying, we came in, Kristen and I, and we talked to you <laughs> and uh, we learned more and more about it and grew more and more comfortable with it until we were able to pull the trigger. So that was very helpful. That's the point. We help each other out, right? For sure. Thanks for coming. Thanks, Tom. Okay. See ya. This is Dollars and Sensibility and I'm Tom Stone. Thank you for listening and thanks for getting real with me. So next step is to answer your questions. Come see me, Guild Mortgage. 435-654-9979 or goaplastom.com.